0: Well, good morning and happy new year, New Spring Church. I hope you're feeling great. I know the Anderson campus is. Welcome. Uh, We're so glad that you're here today. Hey, give yourself a hand because you've got perfect church attendance for 2020. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. Perfect church attendance for 2020. Well, um, we're really excited about this new series that we're gonna jump into in just a moment, but I wanna just take a moment and pause right here. And before I get into some details about the series, I wanna just say thank you. Uh, because we have just concluded our overflow offering at New Spring Church. And uh, we've got some numbers to share with you that are pretty phenomenal. So just right quick, I want you guys to take a look at this. Here's the overflow offering numbers. We had 2,813 families. So like my family of five is one of those 2,813 families across all of our 14 campuses that participated in the overflow offering. That That uh, is is thousands of people. And not only was it thousands of people, 140 of those families gave to the overflow offering for the very first time for a total, look right here, y'all, $2,085,031.85. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Give yourselves a hand. Uh, I just want to, again, I want to say this, this is unbelievable that our church is this generous. And with this Generosity that you've trusted the Lord with, we're going to do everything we can. It's not lost on us as a staff that we've got this incredible responsibility to help build the church in our cities and in our state and overflow that into the nations. And so we're looking forward to celebrating with you what God is allowing us to do as we are taking the good news of Jesus beyond just our world, but to the greater world. But thank you for being generous. Um, uh, Just so you know, this uh, nearly 70% of these gifts. We're under $500. So this wasn't somebody wrote a big check. This was a bunch of people, college students and young married families and and people on a fixed income who said, I'm going to trust the Lord and I want to give to this because I want to partner with God in what he's doing at New Spring Church. So on behalf of your pastors and your staff, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're excited about what God's doing. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Now, as we begin today's message, we are going to step into a season of prayer as a church. And if you were with us last year, you remember we did a series last year. We called it First, Seeking First, because here's the bottom line. At the beginning of the year, if we will seek first the things of God, everything else that's disordered in our life will begin to find alignment and fall into place. Amen? If you'll begin to seek the Lord about the first things, put the first things first, then all the other things find their natural place. And so, I'd, again, I just want to celebrate the fact that you're here on the first Sunday of the year and believing that God is going to help your family, help your world, help your fitness, help your health, help your financial situation, all help your kids relationally. Everything begins to find its rightful place when we begin to prioritize the first things. And What we want to do in these days is last year we spent a week praying together in the morning. This year we've heard so much great feedback. We wanted to lean into that. And for the next 21 days, I am officially from this moment calling our church to a season of prayer. For the next 21 days from, listen to this, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, starting tomorrow at 6 a.m. on all 14 of our campuses, we will meet here and we will pray for an hour, and we're to it's gonna be great. If you've never done it, we're gonna help you lean into it. We'll have our worship team leading us in worship. I actually will be starting the day tomorrow cranking up the first time of prayer. One of our pastors will oversee that time, and we will pray for all the things that we can pray for in our cities, our state, and our world. We're gonna pray for our leaders. We're gonna pray for our schools. We're gonna pray for the next generation. We're gonna pray for missionaries. We're gonna pray that God do revival in the state of South Carolina for the next 21 days. So from January 5 today... Through the Sunday, the 26th, our church is going to enter into a time of prayer, and during the work week, we'll meet here at 6 a.m. On Saturdays, we'll let you pray at your house with your families, and on Sunday, we'll meet back here at church as we continue a series called Teach Us to Pray. Who's excited about that? You excited about that? Okay, all right. The next thing I wanted to say is we're kicking it off tonight on all of our campuses at 5 p.m. with a night of worship. And so, come back tonight. We don't have have 5 p.m. gatherings. We're going to have... 14 different nights of worship at all of our campuses, as we lean into this time, our worship teams and our pastors are pumped. It's gonna be a really powerful time. It'd be a great time to grab a friend if you want to bring them, and as we just, again, have an extended time of worship and we lean into the Lord, just believing that if we put the first things first, everything else will fall into place. So with that being said, my job for the next 25 minutes or so is to help you get as excited about prayer As you have ever been in your life. And with that reaction, we're going to need a little help from the Holy Spirit, okay? So, Father God, help us to get excited about prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Well, here's the deal. The reason you should be excited about prayer is because I want you to know your staff and your pastors are as excited as they've ever been about prayer. Because it's when we pray that we really learn who we truly are. It's when we pray that we really learn the changes that we need to make in our life and begin to navigate the major decisions in our life. Dating, marriage, school, majors, career, finances, changes, where are we going to live? All of these major decisions in our life, essentially everyone we're supposed to be and everything we're supposed to do, the key to all of it is prayer. I believe that with everything in me. And I just want you to know that this is guttural to me. You're not going to experience at New Spring Church ever a pastor up here preaching something to us that they're not living out themselves. And I want you to know I'm as excited as I've ever been in my life about prayer. Ever. There's a quote that I want to put in front of you to kind of kick us off into this conversation about prayer. It's from a friend of mine. He's one of my pastors, Louis Giglio says this If we could see what was happening in the unseen world as we prayed, we would never stop praying. I want you to think about that for just a moment. If you could see with spiritual eyes what's happening in the unseen world as you prayed, you would never stop praying. Because there are certain things that just don't begin to change or shift until we pray. We are a praying church and we are a praying people because the Bible has given us this great gift of prayer. Now, again, what I'm going to do over the next few moments is I want to get you excited to pray because if you're like me, maybe prayer seems intimidating or prayer seems something like that. that's what pastors do or prayer is something that like maybe the priest did growing up or maybe maybe the pastor does or maybe a really spiritual person does. But I want you to know that prayer is the foundation and ground of Christianity. Prayer, communication, talking to God, it's how you're going to make every big decision you're going to make It's how you're going to actually walk in the identity you're going to walk in. It's how you're going to get to know the God who loves you and made you and created you for significance. It's all going to happen during prayer. Did you know that the only thing that the disciples ever explicitly asked Jesus to teach them was to pray? I want you to write that down if you don't mind. The only thing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that the disciples ever asked to be taught was to pray. Now, think about this. These guys walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They saw Jesus preach phenomenal sermons. I mean, he's preaching sermons, and people are just blown away at the authority, with the insight, with the revelation that he's speaking with. And the disciples don't say, hey, Jesus, after that sermon, can you teach me to preach like that? I mean, remember the time that he walked into Peter's house and he healed Peter's mother-in-law? I mean, that would be really beneficial for some of us, right? If we could just walk into our in-laws kind of correspondence and relationship and and she could be healed or he could be healed, it would just make the family relationship and dynamic so much better, amen? And and Peter didn't ask Jesus, could you teach me to heal? They didn't ask Jesus to teach them to raise people from the dead. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them to to feed 5,000. They asked Jesus to, one thing, teach us to pray, And I think this is significant. It's actually recorded in Luke chapter 11. Here's what it said. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray like that. Now, again, this is lost on us in American Western context, but 2,000 years ago, if you were a Jewish person, can I just tell us, remind us, you had been around a lot of prayer. These people were known for their prayer. They were known for every single morning. They said the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? They said it in their families all the time. They had prayer every week in their homes led by the fathers of the homes or the grandfathers of the home as they entered into Sabbath. They were praying all the time. They had heard scribes and rabbis pray in the synagogue all the time. They were a people of prayer. They knew how to pray, so what is the disciple actually asking Jesus for right here when he says, Lord, teach us to pray? He's asking to be taught to pray like Jesus prayed because there was a distinct difference between the prayer that they had experienced all of their life and the way that Jesus Christ was praying right here. So the goal and the aim over these next several weeks as our church is the same goal and aim that these disciples had. If you don't mind, jot this down. God's heart is for you to pray like Jesus. The heart of God and the aim of the prayer that he wants to create in us is he wants every single one of us, young and old, male and female, single, married, divorced, separated, retired, wherever you are in life, he wants you to pray like Jesus. And not only does he want you to pray like Jesus, he has made a way for you to pray like Jesus. And so when Jesus was asked this question, how Can you pray like him? He begins into what is known as the Lord's Prayer. It's probably one of the most well-known scriptural stanzas in the world. You don't have to go to church to know the Lord's Prayer. You just have to play a sport because you're gonna say the Lord's Prayer at some point in your life. I think I was thinking back on this. I learned the Lord's Prayer playing coach's pitch T-ball. Anybody else out there? Like, you know, we're at four-year-old coach's pitch T-ball, but we were gonna win. You know, this was back in the day when you still did winning and losing. I don't know if they do that anymore, but I I grew up in the generation that like did that. Um, Just side note, I think it's healthy. Uh, You need to learn how to lose graciously and learn how to win graciously. Can I get an amen? All right, that's not even a part of the sermon, but it sounds like you're with me. Okay, all right. And so back in Coach's Pitch T-Ball, when we were four, we were gonna crush the other team. And the key to crushing the other team was to take your hat off and to take a knee. And before the game, you had to say the Lord's Prayer. Anybody, is this speaking to anybody? All right, let's go down here and pray, guys. And we didn't know a whole lot. We didn't even know how to throw a baseball yet, but we knew how to say the Lord's Prayer. And everybody would bow, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, and you go through the motions of saying the Lord's Prayer. But I'm, uh, my fear is, is that we've relegated the Lord's Prayer to a rabbit's foot. And we rub that rabbit's foot before we go play the ball game or before we do the band concert or my daughters even before they do a dance recital. I mean, Britney Spears is saying the Lord's Prayer before she sings out there in front of everybody. You know, the Lord's Prayer because it's a rabbit's foot for so many, but it was never intended to be that. It was intended to blow our minds. When Jesus said these words to the disciples that we're gonna read in just a moment, it would have been like him dropping the mic. And I'm gonna show you why as we read it together. So they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said these words. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He said, then pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. My job over the next few minutes is to really just focus in on the first part because I think this is the grounds, this is the starting block. If you're going to jump out and understand prayer the way the Lord has intended it for for us to be understood, we've got to get around the start. Pray then like this, pray our Father in heaven. Pray our Father in heaven. Now this is a good segue and a point to take a time out and celebrate something as a father Because while I was preparing this message, getting ready to talk to you about prayer as a father, my seven-month-old son and I just happened to be at our house by ourselves, And I've been talking to him for the last seven months of his life. Matter of fact, when he was in utero, I was talking to him inside of his mama. And for the very first time, my son decided to talk back to me. And we recorded it, and I've got it here for you. It's going to blow your mind. Y'all check this out right here. Alright, Gaines is learning to say his favorite word. Dada. Say hey dad dad da Gaines. Say hey dad dad, dad. Hey Dad. dad, dad. What you don't know is I have like 11 minutes of video of me trying to get him to say, dad, dad. And before I started recording, I had been saying to him for months, Gaines, tell him your favorite word. And it's been this race. And I know that all the science behind it, my wife and I have talked about it. My wife, by the way, has spent way more time with this child, has done way more nurturing. Does, if there's anybody that deserves to actually have the first um, words be spoken, it would be my wife. But it's easier for a kid to say dad, 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 dad than it is ma, mama mama ma, ma. So. So. So here I am today just soaking up the glory of the first words of my son being dad, 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 dad. And this is the key to understanding prayer. Your prayer life, and maybe perhaps the reason that it's been non-existent or only been before meals or maybe rubbing the rabbit's foot before the big game, your prayer life, it is connected to your relational revelation of God as Father. It's the place that Jesus begins And this would have blown the minds of the disciples because they, again, were in a praying culture, but their Jewish praying culture knew all about God, Jehovah. They knew all about Jehovah the healer, Jehovah my banner, Jehovah my strong tower. They had heard other names, Adonai and El Shaddai, and they knew all of the majesty and the might, and they were in awe, blown away by the God that they had seen part the Red Seas or rain down manna from heaven, or who had consume the idols with fire in Elijah. They knew all of these mighty and massive works, but when Jesus tells them to pray, he doesn't say pray to mighty God. He doesn't say pray to strong God, pray to healer God. He blows their minds when he says, you wanna pray like me? Then you've gotta understand the key and the grounds of prayer is relationship, specifically relationship with a father. It's just dad, 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 dad. That's it. And it's not complex. We have churched it up, y'all. We have made it about high language. We have made it about being impressive to those around us. And let me just take again, let me release the pressure valve. All you need to do is just talk to your heavenly Dad, 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 dad. The New Testament refers to it as Abba. And Abba is Aramaic. It's the same kind of, just again, simple words that a baby could say. Abba, ba, 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 dad, 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 dad. That's where it all starts. Prayer is essentially relational. And if you're going to pray like Jesus, you've got to grab this. I hope this is incredibly helpful. And so what I want to do is I want to really clarify something right now because this is massive. I want you to catch this. Because the truth of the matter is, on all of our campuses, we've got to recognize that we're all loved by God, but we are not all in the family of God. This is critical. The Bible is really clear that all of us are loved by God. Every person you know, every person you, that's sitting to your right and left in front of you, behind you, that, that gal that sits right over there that sings really loud every single service, and that, that kid over there that's, that's belting it out, and they're kind of a little tone deaf, and that, that girl that's always got her hands up, and, re, and the person in the back. Every single one of the people at your campus, all of them are loved by God, but the Bible is very clear they're not all in the family of God. So the question is, how do you move from being loved to being in the family? And it's very simple. Some of us, the reason that we can't say, ah, bah, 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 is because we have never received Jesus Christ personally. I want to show it to you. You don't need to take my word for it. But John would tell us in John 1.12 how we move from being loved to being family is simply this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he is the one, Jesus who gives us the right to become, what's this word underlined on every single campus? He gives us the right to become children of God. You can move from being loved by God to being in the family of God, but you've got to receive Jesus Christ. That's why this is critical. It's why it's the threshold that you've got to step over into Christianity. All the other things that come with being a Christ follower, they come, but none of them happen apart from relationship. Abba, dad, Our Father who art in heaven, all the other things cascade from the grounds of being connected in family because of Jesus. Now, one of the ways that your prayer life is going to completely shift is when you understand what it cost God to make you a child of God and make me a child of God. One of the reasons that maybe our prayers are so dispassionate and they're so static and maybe even boring, or maybe even just routine. Maybe it's just like before we eat at like a formal setting, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, or maybe when we're in the hospital and we're really desperate, we would pray. Or maybe maybe just in formal moments at church, we'd pray. Maybe the reason it's just been relegated to those spaces versus where it was intended to be, which is constant conversation with our Father, is because we don't realize what God had to do to win us as part of his family. The lengths he went to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die a death on the cross so that you and I could be adopted in. So for the next 10 minutes, I just wanna share with you three things that I think will change everything about your prayer life when you understand that God in Christ has made you a child of God and he is your Abba Father. So here they are, three things. Number one, when God is your father, you get a brand new identity. When God is your father, you become a brand new person. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says it like that. It says that the old is gone and the new has come. The old addict, she's gone. The old prideful person, he's gone. The old racist person, they're gone. The old shame-filled person about what they did in that first marriage or how they blew it in that past relationship, they're gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that the old is gone, the new has come when you and I are in Christ. I can tell you I am so grateful that I have a brand new identity. I hope the same is true for you. I hope you have experienced this. But when Jesus Christ has been received in your life, God does not look down on you anymore and see the failures... The shame, the mistakes, the addictions, the struggles, these are supposed to be Jesus' binoculars. He looks down on you, and all he sees is a perfect tin son or daughter because of what Jesus has done. And I hope this will cause you to say amen. Amen. You have a brand new identity. This adoption thing is a massive deal. Many of you um, probably know some people that have adopted before. I know all over our church we've got families that have adopted. I've got great friends that have adopted here at Anderson, some friends in Greenville, some friends actually at our Powdersville campus that actually started an adoption agency that is doing great work across the state to help people adopt. We, we see adoption as one of these massive things, but you know what's crazy is adoption takes time and adoption costs money. And there's a lot of legality involved when adoption occurs, but when you work through all of that, you finally get to the day where the judge seals the deal and that son or daughter joins the adopted family, the gavel falls, and from that day forward, they're no longer known by their old name, church, they get a new name. They get a brand new identity. They become a part of the family. And that is exactly what the Bible says of you and I. We can move from being loved by God to being a part of the family of God. But it happens through this beautiful action called adoption. And if you catch that, it's going to help you pray with passion. The, the old you is gone and the new you is here. That was number one. Number two, not only do we get a new identity, the Bible tells us that we have an unending access to the King of Kings. 24-7, 365, we don't just get the phone a friend and have a one-time hotline. We actually can walk in the door and visit our beautiful Father in His throne room at any moment. The book of Hebrews talks about us walking before the throne of God confident, not because of what we've done, but what Christ has done for us. And My um, um, a pastor mentor of mine, his name is, is Pastor Tim Keller, says it like this. Do you know the only person who can wake up a king in their bed at 3 a.m. is their child? It's the only one. No servant can kick in the door. No, no, nobody else in the family. But at 3 a.m., in the middle of your sleep, you could experience a kid walking in your room Because they're your child, they're your family. How many parents know that a kid just does not care about your bedroom, about your privacy, about your intimate space with your spouse? They don't care, do they? I got three kids and I can promise you at any given moment, at any given time, they could just bust in the door. Boom! Daddy! Hey, I was thinking, what time is it? It's 2.37. Yeah, Dad, but I watched that movie because we've been staying up watching movies and so I've been thinking about Elf. And Santa, and I want to talk to you about it. It's 2.37 a.m. in the morning, child. You know, but they can do that, right? They can walk in at any given time. The same is true for you. When you are a child of God, you have 24-7, 365 access. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the plans of God, that he has plans for us. And no matter how we feel or what we're walking through, every single moment of every single day, nothing can separate us from the love we have in Christ Jesus our Lord because we have access to to him is that good news to anybody today new spring church amen access to him and so you can take your problems you can take your issues you can take your feelings and you can come to abba and say dad i need help and you have an authoritative king of kings that can do something about it your boss might not be able to your spouse might not be able to the president might not be able to but the King of Kings can change some things if we would just utilize the access we have and cry out, our Father, I need to spend some time with you. That, that'll change your prayer life. Number one was identity. Number two was unending access. Number three is you look forward to an immeasurable inheritance. When God is your Father, then you look forward to an immeasurable inheritance. Did anybody order anything um, that came in the mail for Christmas this year. Show of hands on all of our campuses, yeah. Uh, um, stats right now say over 60% of people shop would prefer to order things online. Uh, this is the highest rating we've ever had as a country, uh, as, as, as more actual brick and mortar storefronts closed. You remember the days you used to go to the mall, right? And used to buy things at the mall. I think 90% of the things we bought for Christmas this year, we looked at it on a website or on my phone and I ordered it and it came via a little company called... Amazon. Well, there's a guy uh, by the name of Jeff Bezos that years ago started a company called Amazon by selling books. And you could order his books that he was selling, all kinds of books, and they would mail them to you. And then they decided, you know what, this is such a good delivery system. It cuts out so much overhead. This is a great business model. We ought to start selling everything there. Any of you guys wish you had bought stock in Amazon some years ago? Because Amazon has taken over the world, y'all. Jeff Bezos was named, here's the quote, he is the most wealthy individual in modern human history. In 2018, Jeff Bezos became the first centibillionaire, which means he has over $100 billion dollars um, folks actually estimate his worth in 2018. So before we all spend our money at Christmas, his worth in 2018 was 150 billion dollars. It's good to be Jeff Bezos. He's got a lot of zeros and a lot of commas. Amen. Now let me just use this for an illustrative purposes. Let's just say that Jeff Bezos, who might be one of our online viewers, howdy Jeff, good to see you. Decided that he wanted to adopt somebody, namely yours truly. Because wouldn't it be nice if my name was Brad Bezos? It just flows, Jeff, if you're out there, and Brad Bezos, me and you, Jeff Bezos has officially adopted me. then you know what's crazy is I didn't come up with the strategy, didn't risk it years ago, didn't, didn't spend any hours thinking about how do you get these things to work and how do you, how do, you do this and the internet and how do you help somebody sitting in their jammies, ordering something online, get it at their house, three days later, boom, just like that. I didn't do any of that. But you know what's coming for me? All of the worth in the Bezos family is coming to me just because I am his child. It's my inheritance. Unearned, didn't work for it, But it is rightfully and legally mine, all because Jeff decided to adopt me, Brad Bezos. (laughs) You know what's really mind-blowing? That little illustration and Jeff Bezos' worth drop in the bucket compared to the immeasurable worth and riches of King Jesus and our Abba Father and the Bible says that when God has, he legally adopts you in, you don't just get a new name and you don't just get access unending, you get an inheritance that you cannot count and that is waiting on you in the future. So in just a moment, we're gonna read Galatians chapter three, verse 26 and following because there's a big portion of scripture I want you to catch, but I just want you to think about this. When you understand your identity And when you understand your access and when you understand your inheritance, it changes the kind of prayers you pray, folks. You don't head to the gas station and get that scratch off and go, Lord, let me win the lottery. Because you've got so much more waiting on you. And God ain't worried about you winning a measly lottery because you've got everything is yours. Because you're his kid. You don't have to pray prayers like that anymore. It'll change the passion level you pray with because it's not just a routine rub the rabbit's foot before the big game or so your team will win or so you could get, no, no, no. He's your dad who has, immeasurable power and he's looking out for you and Romans 8 said if he has given us Jesus Christ won't he also with Jesus give us all good things he has given us the most valuable thing in his possession his son you are love ma'am you are love sir and everything is coming to you so you don't have to stress where your meals are going to come from it's going to change your posture and the way you pray I want to read it to you it's in Galatians chapter three, Paul would write about this and it's gonna be uh, a big chunk of scripture that we read. And he talks about this Abba spirit that comes up out of all of us. But here's the three things, new identity, unending access and an inheritance. And I wanna show you where they're recorded. Galatians chapter three, 26 and following. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male, female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no longer, or is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. and you would cry out, dad, 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 ah, bah, 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 father. So you are no longer a slave, different identity. You're now a son. And if a son, then an heir, an heir through God. Is that good news to anybody in New Spring Church today? So let me ask you a question. I kind of prefaced it, but here's the deal. How would you pray if you had a brand new identity, unending access, and an immeasurable inheritance? How would you pray? You'd pray big. I don't know exactly what you'd pray for, but I know he'd be big because you have a big and powerful Abba who is the king of kings and has all the wealth in the universe. He has eternity in mind for you to spend with him. And he's got some big things that he wants to see you step into and partner with him in the family business. And so here's what I wanna just put before you. I wanna put before you that the grounds, again, of our prayer is the relationship we have with our Abba. And that if you would recognize and understand that the old you is gone now because of what Jesus did, and that you have access to your dad in heaven forever, and he's with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you no matter what you go through, and he's got an inheritance in store for you, then you'd probably pray just like Jesus did it would naturally set you into motion where you'd go, oh my gosh, Father, you are so holy, you're so different, you're worth worship and praise. Oh my gosh, Father, your will be done. I can't believe you would invite me into your kingdom. Your will be done, not just here in my life, but in my friends' lives, and in my office's life, and in my school's life, and in my kids' life, and in the rec team's life, and in my neighborhood, and my cul-de-sac, and my apartment complex. Your will be done right here, just like it is up there. Because, God, it's unbelievable that you would invite us in. And, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I can't believe you would do that for me. I'm just a busted, broken person and you would love me like that. That's unbelievable. So forgive me for forgetting. Forgive me for not acting out of that. Forgive me and I'm gonna forgive others. I'm gonna forgive others because if you can overlook my stuff and you've made a way for me to be in right relationship, then I can surely overlook that thing that happened in that time whenever. I'm gonna forgive them because I want them to know you too. And God, don't lead me towards the enemy, keep me away from him, but just give me my daily bread. I don't have to worry about the future. I don't have to worry about any of those stresses because my future is secure. My eternity is secure. So just give me my daily bread. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Your prayer life will change when you understand the relationship that Jesus has secured for you and you can call him Abba. So in front of you on every single campus, may have already been pointed out by your pastor is a prayer request card. And they're there every single week, but I want you to know we're a praying church and we're going to pray some big prayers in 2020. And I want to invite you right there to grab one of those prayer request cards and maybe you need to pass them down the road because somebody doesn't have one. But I want you to think about what you're praying for in 2020. Maybe it's for right relationship with that individual. or Maybe it's for that health situation or maybe it's for that job deal or maybe it's for where you're going to go to grad school or if you should go to grad school or maybe it's, Lord, I feel you stirring me for missions but I'm not sure, is this really you? Uh, Maybe it's for that. We want to pray with you. We want to partner with you. But more than that, your Father in heaven wants to do the same. And I wanna invite you just to take a moment and just think about what's the Lord saying to you? And what are you gonna do about that? Take advantage of the King of Kings, his authority, his access, his identity, you as a son or daughter, and let's pray like Jesus died and resurrected to give us the ability to do so. Would you stand to your feet on all of our campuses? invite our campus pastors to the stage and they're gonna take the the shepherding moment at each campus in just a, a bit and we're gonna bring our worship teams on and we're just gonna respond. But what do you need to do? How do you need to pray? Father God, thank you for the truth that you are our father. So our father, we're grateful. We're grateful that you looked down and you loved us enough to come and join us in the middle of our crazy lives. And Jesus, you took on our sin. You took on our shame. You took on our death. You took on our eternal separation from God. And in order for us to no longer be slaves to sin, you died our death and you give us your life. And so Lord, if there's anybody here who is loved, but it's not yet in the family, I pray for their salvation right now, that they would receive your sacrifice, Jesus, on the cross. And that you would also give them, as they receive that, the opportunity to be called a child of God, to be brought into the family of God, and that they would begin to pray real prayers, authentic and genuine prayers from their heart, because they're blown away that you could overlook and put away the old and give them a brand new identity. that that is sealed the judges drop the gavel we are now a part of the family of God we have access to our king our father and he has an inheritance for us that'll cause us to not be stressed out and miss the things we're supposed to be focused on in these days because we're worried about other little things trivial things so God these big prayers that people are praying I'm believing you're gonna answer them because you told us to ask to seek to knock that you wanna answer them because you're a good father who wants to give good gifts to your kids. And so Lord, I'm asking for you to do that for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. In Christ's name we pray and we say together, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.